Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Juvenile arthritis affects nearly 300,000 children in the United States. It's not a disease in itself, but rather an umbrella term used to describe the many autoimmune and inflammatory conditions or pediatric inflammatory diseases that can develop in children under the age of 16. It's a lifelong condition, but typically it's quite manageable when appropriate measures are taken to mitigate and alleviate its painful and potentially limiting manifestations. Christina Iverson is all too familiar with juvenile arthritis, having dealt with it since the age of two. Now a young adult, she knows well what it's like to contend with the physical, emotional, and social effects of growing up with a condition that's typically associated with older adults. She stopped by Move Forward Radio to share her story of trials, triumph, and above all, hope for children who share her condition, and for parents and family members seeking to do all they can to ensure that those with juvenile arthritis nevertheless experience life to its fullest. Let's listen in. My name's Christina. I've had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis since I was two years old. I was kind of originally showing some symptoms around two and was fully diagnosed at around four. Can I ask, can I ask you what those symptoms were, the, what the earliest sure. symptoms were? Sure. Um, and, of course, since I was two years old, so some of this is coming from my mama and some other historians. Um, you don't necessarily remember this. No, not at age two. However, right. what I've been told was that I was missing some of my milestones, especially with respect to walking. So I was kind of an extra fussy little kiddo. And that kind of cued my mom into the fact that I probably was experiencing some pain or something was wrong. And that was with my knees. So that was kind of when they first started seeing some symptoms in knees. And symptoms by that, I mean, so pain, swelling, some deterioration of my actual joint. There are over 100 different types of arthritis. The type that I have, this juvenile rheumatoid arthritis or juvenile idiopathic arthritis, is really caused by inflammation or some issues with my synovial fluid, which lines kind of the inside of my joint. So for whatever reason, with my arthritis, my immune system attacks my synovial fluid, which kind of breaks down the cartilage around my joints having that bone-on-bone kind of rubbing, which is the pain that is arthritis. So I started showing symptoms kind of in lower body, especially knees and hips when I was younger. That spread. So instead of just being one or two knees, it went both knees, both hips, and my wrists have been pretty bad, especially throughout adolescence. I kind of noticed some extra flares for that, um, especially in hip and feet areas. Christina, I understand you were officially diagnosed at age four. Is that right? Yeah, so officially diagnosed at age four, and I think some of that had to do with probably just how young I was. Arthritis is one of those things where you need to have a variety of different symptoms over a specific course of time, Um, so it can take a while to diagnose, which is why you had that kind of two-year gap for me. Well, and listeners should know that your your mother is is a physical therapist, and, and she has some knowledge in this area, and that probably was a help in getting you diagnosed early, correct? Oh, definitely. And I think especially being so young, so I think a parent just in general would probably notice if their kiddo was, you know, not walking on time compared to other kids their age. But I do think having a mom who was a physical therapist, she was a little bit more in tune to those differences and delays and was able to get me some care a little earlier than I think others may have. Mm-hmm. So it definitely helped with my diagnosis. Even with that said, though, it did take a couple of years. 
you basically had um, you know arthritis, which is which is a disease that's or, or a condition rather that's, that's typically associated with much older people. What was that like for you dealing with that as a as a child and as an adolescent and as a preteen and as a teen? I think for me that was one of the hardest things, just having arthritis as opposed to something else like I don't know maybe a, a diabetes or an asthma where you could see me with an inhaler or, or you know maybe see a broken bone. That was definitely one of the hardest parts of having arthritis was just kind of the fact that a lot of my symptoms truly were invisible to everyone else. Like, obviously, I could feel my own pain, but I didn't necessarily, you know, break a leg and then have a cast. But I would maybe come to school one week and need crutches for a month or two at a time or have my wrist, you know, wrapped in an ace bandage or iced pretty regularly. So for that, it was really hard to explain to other people kind of mm-hmm. what was going on, what my arthritis was, especially for kids, because, I don't know, I feel like middle school would probably be when I remember kind of explaining it to other right. peers. Um, and it was just kind of, you know, it was kind of the grandparent disease. Like, people didn't really understand that kids could get arthritis or if they did what that actually meant and what that looked like. But also, and, and all kids kind of naturally just want to fit in, and, and I understand that you had some pretty embarrassing side effects like weight gain and bloody noses. Yeah, for sure. So with my arthritis, you know, it definitely was, or it definitely is a situation where I have flares, so periods where my disease is pretty well managed and I have, you know, almost no symptoms as opposed to the flare where I have, you know, an exacerbation of a bunch of pain or a lot of swelling. And then you have medications that make a, that make a difference too. Exactly. So there are some medications that I'm on just kind of consistently to help kind of prevent some deterioration of my actual joints. But in a time of a flare, I would have to take some of the stronger medications, and those really did have some nasty side effects. So I know you had mentioned weight gain, which for me, I, I remember that kind of period distinctly. I had just turned 13, and it was like that time when, you know, you're starting to do dances with all your classmates and starting to kind of like boys and all that good stuff. And I remember being on prednisone, which is usually kind of a short-term drug, but was just having a really bad flare in a bunch of my joints. And I was on it for a few months at a time, and I was gaining a ton of weight. I was having nosebleeds regularly. I was bruising like a banana, just things like that, where I feel like it kind of can impede your self-confidence a little bit, especially kind of in the formative teenage years. So kind of on top of that, having to explain, well, like it's this thing with my joints that you can't really see. However, like, you know, this week I won't be able to walk or with sports. You know, I really loved playing soccer growing up. My dad's from Denmark originally. I feel like I kind of grew up with the European vibes. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, I really, it was very difficult for me to be able to run consistently. It just, it was so much pressure, especially on knees and hips. So with that, it was kind of, it was sad to watch all the sports that I really, you know, not only did I have that peer connection, but just things that I enjoyed doing, staying active. It was really difficult to find out that a lot of those activities I really wasn't able to do anymore. You must have passed through quite a few healthcare hands, if you will, over the oh, course of yeah. the years. What, what, what was that like? Definitely an adventure. And again, how helpful it was having a mom in the medical field. And quite frankly, just being so fortunate to be in Boston or, you know, outside of Boston growing up and just having access to so many good physicians. And it was maybe a little bit of a segue, but I was volunteering with the American College of Rheumatology and the Arthritis Foundation, working as a patient advocate, lobbying some different bills in D.C. And doing that, there were quite a few friends that I was talking to who didn't even have pediatric rheumatologists in their state. 
literally had wow. to fly to different states just to see their physician. So I know I definitely lucked out, you know, having access. But with that said, even right now, if I want to call up my physician, I say, hey, I'm having a flare. When can I see you? I expect this to be a good probably six-month wait, if not more. Wow. And this is, you know, still in an area with great access to care. So I'm sure little Christina, you know, my mom definitely advocated for physicians. But what I remember from that was really kind of a, the one rheumatologist that I will always remember, um, she unfortunately has passed away since, at connecting with me as a patient and at kind of giving a little tough love that I think the, the adolescent in me might have needed a little bit. How so? Um, sure. So an example of that that we used to go back and forth quite a bit with was, so I've always been a little bit of a girly girl, and I loved dressing up for, like, I went to Catholic school, so once a year we had a dance. Uh-huh. And we could wear heels and our fancy dresses, and my rheumatologist and I, like, we had a little bit of a disagreement on the heels, because obviously that was not super great for my joints. <laughs> um, so, we, you know, she had to work with compromises, like, okay, Christina, if you're going to wear heels to that dance, then you make sure you're doing your PT home exercise plan before and after that weekend. So, yeah, that, for example, being flexible, but also kind of just understanding, I would say, honestly, some of the psychosocial aspects of what sucks about arthritis, you know, kind of helping me to be able to talk with me and say, like, hey, you know, how, what's the way that I can explain this to my peers that, you know, doesn't sound too sciencey, but they'll get and kind of leave me alone. I remember having a lot of conversations with her about that where she could say, you know, give me a few options. Like, hey, you know, you don't need to give them all of the details about what's happening, but you could say your joints are just a little bit weaker than other joints and she needs more support. Or, I don't know, she was definitely willing to have a variety of different conversations with me that I think that was really, really helpful. Right, um, right. And with that, getting me hooked up with awesome physical therapists who made a huge, huge difference for me. I understand one, one physical therapist in particular was uh, you characterized as, as being pretty awesome. Can, can you tell me about yes. uh, that? Oh, she was so great. Um, so her name was Claire McCarthy at Boston Children's, and um, she actually worked with kiddos during a polio epidemic. So she is an awesome PT, but I am so, so thankful for her and her work with me. Now, having a mama who is a PT, I guess I theoretically could have just gotten my you know, home exercise plans from my mom. However, definitely a little easier to listen to someone not your mom, especially, <laughs> especially when it's something like PT, because I don't know if you've had PT, Eric, but it's pretty uncomfortable sometimes. It's not always the most fun activity. And there's enough discomfort with one's parents without that, too. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, oh, Mama, I'm definitely not getting on the floor and doing all those exercises. <laughs> Claire was really, really great about keeping me motivated for that and just kind of helping me through. So I know specifically with my hips, I had a bunch of internal labral tears in my hip cartilage. And with that, you kind of have the option of being able to go a surgical route or more conservative route for that. And I've always kind of been on the conservative side of treatment, so I opted to do physical therapy for that as opposed to surgery. And that course, especially with my hip, I remember she worked with me for months. I literally had to learn how to retilt my pelvis, walking, sitting, standing, all activities so that I wouldn't be scraping that internal tear. So very uncomfortable course of PT, but I can tell you right now I haven't had any pain from that at all. And since then, I've had a similar um, kind of tear in my shoulder, some rib cartilage. have done PT for all of those and had no issues and no surgery. And I, I kind of 
bring that point home just because I know some of arthritis can be autoimmune. So I have some cousins who have some joint issues as well. And I actually have a cousin who had the exact same tear in her hip who opted to do surgery for that. And she had permanent nerve damage in her feet from that surgery. So I'm very thankful for my conservative physical therapy route for that one. A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain, and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choosept. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. So, Christine, you're, you're how old now? I'm 27. You're, you're 27. Give, it, give us a sense of sort of uh, what your life is like now in terms of your, your uh, arthritis symptoms and, and sort of what you have to deal with day, day to day. Sure. So, I mean, I think having had arthritis now for a couple decades, I'm very aware of my triggers, which I think that was one of the most important things for me in learning how to manage my disease was really knowing what for me can exacerbate or kind of help. And so I've kind of, as I've grown up, put myself in situations where I felt like I can kind of have the best quality of life with my arthritis. So for example, my move to Dallas, I definitely do a whole bunch better in the warm weather. Not so much the humidity, but cold is tough for me. Really understanding how important stress can be with any of these situations I noticed around exam times in both graduate school and undergraduate for a high stress period where I'm not sleeping too much, maybe my nutrition isn't great or I haven't been able to get as much exercise as I usually do. All of those factors, you know, I really have to be mindful of to make sure I'm taking care of my kind of self at a body level. Christina, what kinds of things do you do to, to manage your stress? So I love yoga. That's been one of my favorite things to manage stress. And actually, I found yoga through my physical therapist, Claire McCarthy. Growing up, I started practicing yoga when I was 12. And that has been really, really great. I think in strengthening especially the little stability muscles all over my skeletal system. So I've found that I've had a lot fewer flares over the years now that I've kind of gotten to a good physical activity level. So I'm getting consistent exercise, but it's very low impact. I'm making sure that I'm kind of strengthening all over my body instead of certain area groups. And that really has helped. The mindfulness activity of yoga has also been really great for helping with anxiety or stress in general and helping to kind of make sure that that's under control. What are some other elements of your of your preventative care? I mean, are things like sleep, I imagine, nutrition, exercise, those types of things? Definitely. So I kind of make sure for that sleep, and I've noticed with my arthritis and growing up that I typically do best if I actually get closer to nine, nine and a half hours of sleep a night versus eight. Obviously, it's not always doable, especially, I know, some of my graduate school rotations. That was not going to happen, but extra sleep definitely helps me. With respect to eating, I know I was a vegetarian for a few years growing up, um, and I had trouble getting kind of enough nutrients for that. So I know I definitely drink a ton of milk, a lot of calcium from my bones. I'm pretty good about taking a multivitamin to make sure if there is any holes in my nutrition, I'm getting that. But otherwise, the exercise and sleep have been huge 
in preventative care. Now, you said you're in Dallas now. Uh, what, what brought you to Dallas, and, and can you kind of take us through your, your life since your teen years and sort of what you're, what you're doing now and what your plans are? So, yeah, I knew I wanted to do something with arthritis growing up. I really wanted to give back to the field, who I felt like helped me in so many ways, kind of learning how to manage my own disease. I thought originally that maybe I might like to do that as a rheumatologist. So I had thought kind of originally that I might study pre-med or bio, but I took a psychology course and heard that it really kind of helped everything click for me between the mindfulness, understanding kind of the difference between stress, and also understanding just as an autoimmune disease how all of these biosocial kind of factors can really impact my arthritis. So with that, I studied neuroscience psychology and child development at Baylor University. So that is how I kind of got into Texas originally. In high school, I had volunteered, been doing a bunch of volunteer work with Arthritis Foundation, American College of Rheumatology, basically anything in the area that I could get my hands on that was related to arthritis, especially for kids and families. And with that, I started working at Brigham and Women's Hospital, doing some research to learn more about arthritis, but also different types of rheumatological conditions, so some lupus, and with that, I really was able to kind of learn a little bit more about not only the disease itself, but also other types of chronic illnesses and how some of those factors are so similar. And that kind of interest led to me studying psych and neuro in school, but also really liking to keep that child and family aspect, which is why I added the child development major to that also. After I finished in undergrad, I um, worked for a little bit actually back in Boston, so I was back home worked at Boston Children's Hospital, and I coordinated research studies in the um, pain treatment service. So with that, we were doing research for kiddos with any kind of chronic illness, but looking at specifically, you know, anxiety and depression that are kind of comorbid with their disease on top of things like physical therapy and exercise. So it was kind of a a nice area to be able to research it from a physical therapy, from a, a psych perspective, and from the actual medical perspective. So after doing a bunch of research in that area, I kind of really found my niche. So I went to graduate school to be able to counsel kiddos who have arthritis or any kind of chronic illness. But I really like to kind of teach the coping skills and be able to sit down and say, like, hey, I understand you have X, Y, and Z, and you're going to have that for the rest of your life. So here are some tools that I can give you in your toolkit that can really help moving forward. And I love being that kind of first step person for families, both with working with the kiddo, but also kind of working with the parents. Because there are, as you know, now that I'm a little bit older and I'm able to talk to my mom about the experience of kind of raising a kiddo with a chronic illness, I really like kind of the support and education for the family on top of being able to empower the kiddo. So that's where you see your career being. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm finishing up board exams right now, but that is what I'm hoping to do. You mentioned the fact that this is uh, this is a lifelong thing. I mean, is that ever daunting to you, or do you feel like along the way you've acquired kind of the uh, the coping skills and the knowledge and and, and so on to that it's uh, that it's not so daunting, and perhaps that you can share that with others? Yeah, and I it definitely for me it, it has become a lot less daunting as I've gotten older, and I think personality wise, I'm just someone who I I really like to understand why things are happening or the the basis of it. So for me, once I kind of understood, okay, this is what my arthritis is, this is what makes it better, this is what makes it worse, after that, it kind of became less daunting. So like I had all the information for it. I will say I'm a little bit concerned in the future. I would imagine 
if I get pregnant at some point, um, that that could potentially be a little uncomfortable through the research right now. It, it does seem apparently that I should have maybe lesser symptoms during my pregnancy, but afterwards may have kind of a fallout. So I know that's something in the back of my mind that I'm preparing for maybe a little bit of a flare, kiddos. So I will be trying to be mindful, make sure I'm doing my yoga and kind of physically staying fit and also working with my rheumatologist to see if there's anything else I can do to kind of preventatively stay on top of that. Talk about daunting. Another thing that must be daunting, and, and even as, as a PT, it must have been daunting for your for your mom, uh, even despite the fact that she had some background in this area. Uh, being a, a parent with a young child who has arthritis, and you know that this is a condition that your child is, is going to have for the rest of his or her life. For people who are listening to this podcast, any anything that you would say to uh, to parents who might have a child in that situation? I would say... Just don't be afraid to reach out. I think one of my favorite analogies for working with families, but just in general, is kind of the oxygen mask analogy they use on airplanes, where, you know, you're told to secure your mask before helping others. And I think that's one of the most important things that, obviously, as a parent, I mean, you're going to default to take care of your kiddos. You're going to put your kiddos first. But especially in this situation, for something that's going to be lifelong, it's really, really important to make sure that, you're also taking the time to take care of yourself in this situation so that you can be 100% for your kiddo. And they're definitely kind of just, as I've been working, especially in research, there are so many organizations out there that are happy to give you resources, pamphlets, groups. I know for me, in talking to my mom, it was really important to have the connections for groups like the Arthritis Foundation, where you can talk to other families who are going through this. You know, it kind of normalizes the experience for you, and, you know, you may be able to talk with someone and learn some tips or some kind of creative ways that they've found that have been helpful for their kiddos. So really just making sure you're taking care of you, you have that support system, and that you're really kind of getting yourself connected in your environment because that support and that just community can really, really help make the whole situation less daunting for you in the future. Christina Iverson, thank you so much for speaking to us on Move Forward Radio and sharing your story. Oh, of course. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com.